Welcome to Engineering Stories, a podcast presented and produced by Silver Fox and the Institute of Engineering Technology. This week's guest is Fiona Clark, Capability Manager for EW Sensors at Leonardo UK. With 36 years at Leonardo under her belt, Fiona discusses some of the highlights of her long career, as well as some advice for entering the world of engineering. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Engineering Stories. Uh, my name is Colin Moringolo. Uh, I'm a student at University of Kent studying electronic and communications engineering. And this is my co-host, Alex. Hi, I'm Alex. I am the head of research and development here at Silver Fox. And I re- well, relatively recently graduated from Bath in electrical and electronic engineering. And with us today, we have Fiona Clark. Fiona, could you introduce yourself, please? Hi, I'm Fiona Clark. I'm Capability Manager for EW Sensors at Leonardo UK. And I'm a little bit at the other extreme from you guys because I've worked for that company for quite a while now. So uh, it's good to meet you guys. <laughs> nice to meet you as good well. To meet you. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about where you work and like what you do there? Sure. Um, so Leonardo is quite a big company. I think it's the second biggest engineering company in the UK behind BAE Systems. Um, We make all sorts of electronic devices, uh, all sorts of things in transport, and my particular area is in defence. So true defence, as in uh, equipment that protects aircraft, uh, our tagline is protecting those who protect us. So we're looking at things that will tell you if you are in danger from threats, missiles and that kind of stuff. And not only telling you where they are and what sort of state they're in, um, but also giving you the countermeasures, the provisions that allow you to get away from them safely and come back home. That's amazing. That's um, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> what, what made <laughs> Sounds you, really cool. Yeah. What, what made you get into that then? Um, yes, I kind of fell into it sideways, really. Um, it's I, I can't imagine any child kind of grows up thinking, I must go and work for a defence company. Um, I don't I, know. I think there are. <laughs> I make, think there are me? people who were like, I want to make guns. I want to <laughs> make missiles, definitely. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll take your point. Um, certainly that wasn't in my view, I have to say. Um, so I, I guess uh, I liked maths at school. I like maths and physics, but maths in particular. And, and to be honest, it was probably the one thing I was actually kind of good at. Um, so I did a maths degree and I, again, didn't know what I wanted to do with that. So looked at all sorts of things like banking and uh, insurance and even the Navy at one point. That sounded quite fun. Um, and then some friends had joined uh, Marconi, as we were at the time, and BA Systems. And, and they just seemed to be having fun. You know, they were doing kind of interesting work and, and a bit like your reaction. You know, when, when you actually talk to them about what they were doing, it was like, well, that, that sounds really cool and really interesting. So so I applied there, you know, on the off chance and uh, basically got offered a job, which was very kind of them. Um, so I joined Marconi expecting to be there a couple of years and, and go and do something much more interesting. Only it was actually interesting and uh, I've never left. I've just kind of changed what I've done. So, so yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a life choice, um, but it, it's certainly given me a, you know, good lot of interest over those years. What was your first, first role at Marconi? Was it also in defending other people? Um, yeah, so I joined as a, a systems engineer and again, this is back in the 80s, so 1984. I didn't actually really know what an engineer was. Um, I'd, I'd not heard of engineering as a, as a study, 
you know, I'm, you guys have both done fantastic degrees and I'd never heard of that concept. I did maths because that's what the subject was. Um, so I became this, quote, systems engineer and thought, well, what do you mean by a system and, and what's an engineer do? Um, and I landed in a small team that were looking into studies. So uh, we were at the time designing something to protect warships. Um, it was kind of around the Falklands War time. And we'd lost a couple of ships in the Falklands War. Mm. So we were looking into a, a decoy, which is a um, basically a thing that pretends to be a ship. So a literal decoy, but it, it does it electronically rather than physically. So if you've got a missile that's tracking your ship, then you can launch this decoy off board, hangs under a parachute, and it seduces that missile onto itself and away from the ship. Uh, and the term is seduction, which was also quite an amusing start to my working life. And so I was looking into studies to see how you'd use it, what kind of things it would need to do, where you'd put it to make sure it could work. And, you know, all that kind of mathematical side of how you'd make this thing operate well. Um, so I did that for a while and got to use computers, which, believe it or not, were also quite new back then. You had to go to a computer room to use one of the mainframes at the time, if you could, because the boys weren't on it. Um, which is probably bigger than, than the room I'm standing yeah, in right now. Yeah, absolutely. I've, so, I've seen the room you're standing in and it was much bigger than that room. So uh, yeah, good old days, good old Vax computers, um, you know, and it wasn't quite at the, the ticker tape stage. It was a bit past that, but um, nonetheless, fairly clunky. So yes, yeah, so I did a lot of work on that and, you know, helped to help to design the algorithm for where you'd put this thing uh, and kind of help it work. Uh, and then... I suppose through that, I met lots of people, you know, the, the company Marconi now Leonardo is, is full of, you know, engaging, bright people and you, you just get chatting with them. And so I found uh, other roles that, that looked interesting. So I just kind of moved from there into other things. What would you say your uh, favourite role then was uh, before your current role, of course? <laughs> well, uh, well what, of course. Was... Yes. Um, okay, so... Uh, this, you'll get to learn to me. The, the answers are never quite straightforward and simple. So um, my favorite role was in the simulation and modeling team. So it was our job to simulate uh, mathematically the equipment we make, the environment it works in, and uh, you know all those interactions. So you go flying around with a simulated Harrier with our simulated equipment on it. Does it survive and come home? If not, how do we make it better? So, you know, fairly fundamental stuff. Um, so that was really, I loved that work, absolutely loved that work because it was, you know, that you could realise in your your mind what you were trying to do and, you know, it was, quite, it was quite easy to kind of access and understand what you were doing. But the big advantage to that was that when the RAF went on trials with said Harriers, with said equipment, they often needed experts to come with them to help make sure the programming was right and the performance was right. So I was incredibly lucky to go on a number of trials with the RAF out to the States, um, which in itself is a life experience. Going on detachment with the RAF is always, always good for a laugh. Um, but I also got to actually play with some real threats that, that sit out in America, you know, sit inside these weapon systems while they're tracking these Harriers coming in, see our stuff working or not, uh, make sure it works, understand it fully. And, you know, that, that was astonishingly good for just learning my craft. Um, but also, you know, you have to pinch yourself and think, I'm really doing something here with real stuff. This is quite amazing. So yeah, has has to be that trial stuff. Sounds fantastic. I was just curious on, in terms of your, we were, you were talking about you did your um, degree um, in mathematics. Where did you go to to do that in t terms of university? And what made you do the 
change from because you were looking at banking and now now you're now you went into engineering did you feel like you were going to be at a disadvantage for taking a subject that wasn't obviously the job that you were going into yeah good question for example. yeah good question um the reason i the reason I did maths, as I said, was because, you know, I liked maths. I liked the elegance. I liked the right answer. You know, I liked the fact that you got your homework and you could do it in 10 minutes and you knew it was right. Uh, anything involving writing was, you know, slog for me. And, and, and you know, history and geography were just, just beyond me. And I'm still rubbish at both history and geography. Um, so when it came, I was at a girls' school, uh, which was uh, just one of those things. My head teacher at my junior school had suggested that the, this particular girls' school would suit me and you know we didn't know better or worse so ended up going to a girls school which I think for me was that was the right thing um, because it, it did allow me to just kind of be me and not have to worry about whether I was as good as the boys or any of that nonsense that you can get um, the school was was lovely it's not it's not here anymore it closed down many years ago but it, it was a lovely school and and they were very aspirational there, there was no concept of you can't do it because you're a girl, clearly. Um, and when I said I want to do maths, um, they said, well, best place to do maths is Cambridge. So, you know, being the young, naive thing I was, I went, OK, how do I get into Cambridge then? And no, I mean, you know, I'd heard of Cambridge, but honestly had no concept that it might be hard. It was just a place. So, I, you know, I put my five choices down in those days and Cambridge was at the top. I wouldn't bother with that Oxford place in, in my, my view because, you know, that was Oxford. It did other stuff. Um, and... I honestly, the, the amount of luck I've had in my life is, is quite amazing. So so I did the exams and they were, you know, awful, horrible, hard. But I obviously did something and got half a question right, maybe. So I got invited for interview, which was which was kind of them. Um, I'd also applied to a girls college because you know, that that logically worked for me and that probably helped me as well. And when I went to the interview, there were three interviews. And the first one was with a, a gentleman who was a musician violinist so we talked about music I talked about playing the piano he talked about playing the violin we didn't really talk about maths um, the second lady's aunt had taught at my school some years before so we talked about my school uh, and the third lady actually interviewed me and I'd been warned that they're likely to ask about books you read around the subject I'd never read a maths book I didn't really like reading much to be honest um, but on the train on the way up I'd read the smallest maths book I could find in the library and it was called How to Lie with Statistics, which was quite apposite, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> so I read this book. And honestly, it's about 100 pages long and lots of pictures. So I kind of you know, skimmed through this in the hour and a half on the way up to Cambridge. And uh, the question was, so have you read any maths books recently? I said, well, I was just reading this really interesting book called How to Lie with Statistics. Oh, what did you like about that book? Well, there was this really interesting picture in there. And I described the picture that had stuck in my mind. Um, and then the next question was, have you read any others? And in my bag was the second book, which was all about the mathematics of bell ringing. Music. Duh, that worked for me. So I was able to say, well, I've got one I'm just about to start called The Mathematics of Bell Ringing, which I'm quite interested in. That was it. That was that interview. So I completely blagged all three of wow. those interviews um, <laughs> and uh, somehow got into Cambridge. And I still look back and think. You make it sound so easy. I'm sure there's plenty. Of, well, hopefully there'll be plenty of people listening. Who would... Cambridge, are lis yeah, yeah, Cambridge, Cambridge are listening, listening to this now and like taking my degree noting away down your name. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I did actually work while I was there. Um, I think, I mean, the moral of the story and I, you know, I'm, I'm probably being a bit clip here, but the moral of the story is just give it a go. You know, I, I didn't really think that I shouldn't 
give it a go. And I didn't have the nous to think this is going to be hard. I won't make it. And some of my friends were applying to Oxford and Cambridge. So, you know, it's quite a nice club to be in on a Thursday evening when you did your little lessons. We had lessons on how to you know, do exams and stuff. Um, and I, that actually is how I've kind of lived my life ever since. So, you know, the trials things I was just mentioning, um, I only got to do that because there was a, would you fancy going out to America for a month and sitting inside rotten old radars? Yeah, yeah, give that a go. How hard can that be? I don't know anything about these radars, but I'll learn when I'm there. And just, you know, just give it a go. You, someone's got to get in. It might as well be you. You've got as much chance as the next person. So, Fiona, you, you currently work in the defence industry. Um, do you have any aspirations to work in, in any other industries, maybe? health or infrastructure um yeah another good question i i don't actually i when i started as i say i kind of thought oh i'll do that because it will pay some money for a couple of years and move on but actually um the industry is is interesting the work is ever changing and you know every time we come up with a good thing that the other lot will come up with something just as good and we, we have to keep changing all the time so so it's a it's a always changing always interesting and um the the way I view it very much, although, you know, you, you always get asked the question, particularly as a woman in defence, why are you working in defence? Why are you making missiles? And we absolutely, and in my bit, we absolutely do not make missiles. We are making things that are protecting the lives of those who are protecting us. And, you know, that, that tagline is quite a good one. So I actually feel it's really worthwhile. You know, from the, the fundamental point of view of defence, it's worthwhile. You know, we are protecting our guys. Um, but also, if you look into the big picture, the defence brings a massive amount of money into the UK. And, you know, we pay huge amounts of tax on everything that we sell, of course. And that then funds into the UK. And if, if you look at the number, it's billions of pounds come in. So, you know, from the point of view of being able to fund our medical industry and schools and police and all that stuff, we're actually contributing a, a good amount of money. So so there's nothing about it that makes me think, I want to go somewhere else. I, I did a few years ago when my kids were, um, they were at school and you know my hours were, were fantastic I worked part-time all the way through their, their school life which was great um, but there was kind of a fair bit of stress and you know and I thought maybe I should do something else and and I actually looked at going into teaching because um, I you know would love to be able to share my my love of maths I, I, I've done teaching at work for many many years I've pretty much taught everybody who's come onto our site about EW for 20 years or so and I love it I love sharing that knowledge uh, and just seeing people when they suddenly kind of get something is great so so I did look into being a, a maths teacher which would have been you know good fun um, but then I'll be blunt about it and, and, and selfish about it. I looked at the hours that our teachers put in and the amount of work they have to do and just thought, I, ca I can't do that. I would not be able to give that amount of effort and that time and, and, and so on. And, you know, my kids were quite young and, and still needed a, a fair amount of my input to them. So so uh, I didn't do it. But, you know, that so that probably is the only thing I would go into. I think, I'd, you know, if I was going to go into something different, it, I probably wouldn't change into a different engineering role. But um, it's pretty selfish, you know, it is that I've found a place I belong and I like and, and can contribute to. So, you know, I'm happy there. Yeah, definitely. I, just to touch on your um, your daughters, for example, what um, what was it like doing parenting and doing this massive engineering <laughs> job coinciding with each other? Did, were, was uh, Leonardo OK with it? How, how what was that kind of response? in in this because i know there's a lot of probably people that are kind of wondering well this is 
a big career to do what's going to be like to start a family and stuff like that what is it like to do that yeah no um it's hard i'll be honest it's hard um you you know you're trying to balance two full-time jobs because you know parenting as anyone who's had kids or, or as you guys if you think about it know being kids at one point in your life parenting is hard and there's no rule book you know you get dropped in with a there's the baby you've had it well done crack on off you go um, and you've got friends to help and and family to help but you're pretty much on your own and you're you know you want to do that job brilliantly you don't want to fail at anything at that job um, and I had two kids two years apart so so that was quite close um, you know and, and very full-on so all of the time you're at home you're 100% mum you know, everything is about looking after the kids and, and occasionally the husband, he gets a look in occasionally. Um, and when you're at work, it, you literally flip. So, you know, I dropped the kids at school when they got to school age or, or um, you know, I stayed home for a fair bit with them and then they went to nursery a couple of days and then and then school. So you pop them into school and fly to work. And from the moment you're at work, you are 100 percent on because you're conscious that six hours later you're out that door again to go and get the kids from school and be mum again. So so I, I think. I found it hard in terms of just juggling that and, you know, it's quite tiring, but it teaches you a lot because you have to focus so very much on the thing you're doing right now, you know, and make sure that those hours at work are, are good. You know, I, I'm not the sort of person who can kind of swan in, have a cup of tea, sit around and go, oh, I'll do that later. I, you know, I actually like to, to do my work and, and do it well so so I think you learn to really focus you learn to prioritize for sure and you know the things that actually need to be done are done and the things that are nice well you know they'll wait till someone else may be able to do them um, so so that I think is the real thing is just is learning that balance being, being able to kind of put your head on as right, I'm mum now now I'm work and, and split the two um, in terms of your, your second bit of that question uh, the company at the time, there wasn't any concept of part time or, or holidays or any of that stuff because, um, you know, you kind of left when you had your babies. But I worked for a superb boss and, and the, the one who got me into the trials and stuff. And he wanted me to continue work and I wanted to do so. So he basically kind of worked through with HR to, to figure out how we could do a part time job and all that stuff so we created that and, and now Leonardo is one of the best I think it has a really good work-life balance policy and there are lots of mums at work who work four days a week um, I did um, sort of effectively three days a week that went up to so many hours a week but I also had a, a term time contract so when the kids were on holiday I didn't work which you know everyone used to w w watch me wave goodbye in July going see you in September bye um, and the looks of jealousy were quite amusing um, you know so so you, you there's obviously a chunk of time out of your your working life that, that you give up to holidays but I'm you know superb because the the kids and I had our holidays together um, and the only the only knock-on again was probably for me that you know I could have stayed at the the fairly senior role I was at but I didn't think I would give that enough of a input if I was only there for you know, effectively half time of a year so so I just stepped back a bit into a technical role which is fine for me because I love my technical role so you know the fact that I wasn't managing a team anymore that's okay I'm still doing a useful input and actually I was doing some fun stuff um, and now that uh, the kids uh, well, both of them are now through university one of them is just graduating from Kent if I'm not going to ask you if you know a color oh. um, so <laughs> anyway um, so yeah so uh, both kids now out of university and when they went to university then I was able to go back completely full-time and go okay I'm now Leonardo again uh, and, which is great because I've now been able to step up to that um, that slightly higher um, role again. Has it been tough swapping between roles? I know you said you enjoy the technical role, but has that um, been tough to adjust back to it? 
Uh, let me think about that one. Um, I guess not so much. It's there's always an adjustment when you change any role. Um, you know, and stepping into this new role is is for me challenging because it's quite a big step up, and the responsibility I now have is more than I've had before. So so any change of role is you know there, there's a period where you're just trying to think right what what am I doing here and what can I do here how far can I push and stuff. I think again it comes back to that that you know just take it on and, and make the best of it. So so any role change I've had I've always just tried to kind of you know get my teeth into it and go okay what what am I supposed to be doing here what what's the outcome that's needed here can I do that um, and you know what's the best way I can I can interact and that I've had one or two roles that I've kind of gone into a little bit cautiously you know because I wasn't sure I could do it one in particular that uh, I was put back into a systems engineer role on a, a really technical project and, and I tried to explain that I don't really do really technical I can't design you an EW system I can tell you if it'll work or not but I couldn't design it first principle uh, and this was very much design and, and, and that I wouldn't say it went badly wrong but it but it didn't go terribly right let's put it that way so you know fairly <laughs> quickly after I'd started that like a month or two and I was you know, speaking to the bosses and going, this is not going to work. I cannot, I cannot do what I want to do to make this role work. So, so you know, in that situation, that was good because I was able to step back, and then a much better person went into that role. Um, so I think it's, it's again, it's all about attitude. You know, if you, if you go into something with an attitude that says, okay, give it a go. It's it's going to be hard, but I'll work it out. And if not, I'm going to put my hands up and go, this is not working. Can you know, help or we need to change this? Uh, and that's always worked for me. Um, and in any, you know, even in engineering with engineers who occasionally do wear socks and sandals and, and, and have bushy hair and stuff, they are just people. You know, it's all about how you work with those people and, and just get that that mechanism working around and get people listening to each other. So, and, you know, I'm, uh, I probably do have quite good people skills, if, if, if I'm honest about it, that, you know, I can bring teams together and we have a laugh like we're having now. You know, we joke a bit, you know, but kind of always focusing on well, what are we trying to get to, but we'll, we'll do it as, as people working together. Was, was your step up um, in the same team? And if so, was that, was that tough because suddenly the people you were on the same level with we're now reporting into you. Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I have I have had that, um, and yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic when that happens because you've been one of the boys. Um, like the simulation team was probably the biggest example of that, rather than this this latest one. Um, and that was where there were twenty of us, and we were all grads of you know one to five, maybe ten years kind of experience. Uh, and I was given the role of running that team, so now suddenly I'm boss. Um, and I remember that my boss at the time saying, you, you'll find the Friday lunch times have changed because we used to in those days go out for a, a, a beer and a pack of ribs or, or a steak or something on a Friday. Um, and, you know, you, you do step from being one of the gang who are moaning about the company and the bosses and, the you know, what's happening. And suddenly you are that person. So so you can't quite join in in the same way. Um, in terms of the, the leading of that team, uh, I had the responsibility for being the group leader and therefore the budgets and all that stuff. But I, again, tried to just be, you know, I am one of you guys and you will be doing the work now and I'll be doing all the budgetary stuff. But, you know, I'm still here if you need help or guidance or, you know, you tell me what I can do that makes your life easier and help you to be able to do your job. And I will try and do that. And if I can't, I'll tell you why I can't do that. And then we'll work it through together. Um, so again, very much always trying to be, I'm, I'm still exactly the same person I've always been and you know me. So how do we work this, you know, so that we, that we get to where we need to be at the end. 
stunned silence. No. <laughs> it's all right. I'm going to throw one back at you. So, so um, that's very much my philosophy. And I, you know, I, I am female. You, you may have noticed that bit. And I've always been female, so I don't know any different. That philosophy of always people first, task second. It, you know, I'm told is a female trait. But you know, what? So what do you guys think when you just heard me say that's how I do my tasks? Do, would you work the same way, or would you think task first? And you know, how does that affect you? So just to make it clear before I answer, um, is it for when you're um, in a job where you're trying to complete a task and um, you're you're focus you're either focused on the, um, helping others or is is that what you're referring to? Um, just a technical task, just to make yeah, sure. any task. You know, we've got to, we've yeah. got to get to the end of this design of this program. I I think it's very um, for for me in particular, it's very um, it's all about priorities. So. If I know that some, like one of my friends or something like that, has a more important and more um, critical task than myself, and they are struggling, or if some, if I can help in any way, I am ten times more likely to go over there and try and sort something out with them because I know that that will be the the um, most productive thing for the project, and I also know that it'll kind of well, I don't, I don't know about like becoming a stronger relations in 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 work, but I do like to see I do like to see myself um, working with others because I know that I tend to be a bit stupid sometimes, <laughs> and I like to have somebody there to kind of be there, like, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I had that in Airbus a lot, where um, I would sit there some days and I'd be like, I'd have imposter syndrome kind yeah. of thing and sit there and be like, I don't really know if I can do this. And there was always one of my friends, um, his name was Chris, he would sit next to me and he'd look over and he'd be like, you've got this. And I'd be like, I don't know why <laughs> you're saying that. but And I like, to ha I like that kind of emotional support and also the ability to say, hey, I need help. And I also think that that goes both ways. I don't think that you should be able to just kind of take and take. I always feel like I would like to help others when yeah. I can. So I think the answer to you is probably I do like to prioritize, but I don't think I would be able to not help if I knew that someone was having a tr yeah. problem. Alex. Um, <laughs> well, I know what my parents are saying to me right now. Um, they're saying, get the, get the job, get it done, and then you can go and have fun. Um <laughs> But I, I think I'm probably the opposite. Probably far too far the opposite, actually. Um, I think it's important, but I think it depends on the situation, really. Like Connor was saying, um, I think you need to be able to read the room. That's a skill in itself. Yeah, is being able to read the room and understand what the team or the project is required. Like uh, what the project requires. Have you got that time to to put people first, or are you up? against a wall and you just need to push through and you can celebrate at the end i've i've been in in jobs that that have have both yeah um where we've been pushed and pushed and pushed and you know and you go and have a beer afterwards and it's fantastic yeah um but then at the same time i've had had in in the same job actually um you know you can have a laugh you can we can go and have a beer and then we'll get the job done um which was fun I, yeah, my bank yeah. balance suffered but <laughs> um i don't yeah. think the quality of work did though 
That's what's important. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. As long as you've got that focus. Good to note that. Yeah, yeah. Mum and Dad <laughs> are listening. Plug that in, yeah. wanna... Actually, it's just yeah. it's made me think of another thing. Just to digress slightly, so so it's reading the room. I think that's that's a really good skill to have. And uh, one of the things I find in this industry is it is still very male dominated. Um, very male dominated. So so I have found myself in a room of I counted them once. There were twenty eight guys in the room and me uh, and most of them were customers or very senior executives from our company and I'm there doing the technical brief and the, this is why you should buy this piece of equipment and that's that's an interesting dynamic because you know as you walk in the room and, and this particular time I was we were on a flight trial so I was in jeans and a Leonardo t-shirt so you know not dressed as a professional kind of you know managerial woman and I walk in and they look at you and they just assume you're bringing the tea sadly um you know and then you go up to the front the presentations on the screen and you get this kind of nod to this like double look where they look look away and go what 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 what's going on here you know and in in the first 10 seconds you you have to be able to just grab the attention in the way mm. that goes no no you do need to listen to me i you know not in any kind of bash them around the head but you have to be able to read that room and and gather those people and you know that's that's something that, that i've certainly had to develop over over the last 30 odd years so interesting this podcast is sponsored by silver fox the producers of the fox in a box thermal printer with this one printer you can print all labels from their thermal range such as tie-on cable labels wraparounds heat shrink and more for more information or to discuss a particular project contact sales at silverfox.co.uk or call them on plus four four oh one seven oh seven three seven three seven two seven Did you ever, um, as, as a woman in engineering and because of your extensive experience, did you ever feel intimidated by the area around you? And how did you cope in situations like that? Because I know, like for, for me, Alec, we'll never probably experience that in our lives. So for, for um, like women listening and stuff like that, that are probably thinking oh, well i am going to be in a male dominated profession how how is how is that and how do you combat that yeah it's uh it's a very good question again um it is definitely changing you know our our workforce is getting more and more female but i think if you look at the numbers in the uk it's something like 11% of the engineering workforce is female which is just way too low you know there, there's a whole load of really capable engineers out there they just don't know it yet um when i joined the company there were 80 new starters 80 graduates that year of which two were female i don't actually know what happened to the other one i, I kind of lost touch but um so i'm the only one who you know survived all that and at the time it was it was unusual but actually that kind of helped because everybody knew who you were you, you know i didn't know who the other mm -hmm. 79 people were but um you know they all seemed to know who i was so i think if your if your behavior is is good you know you you work hard and you don't throw hissy fits and you know stuff that's just going to get you a reputation of being difficult to work with um then actually you're already known and when when there's a job coming up and people say oh we need an engineer to do this then your name is the one that people actually will remember oh fee was good at that why don't we ask if she can help um, you know, and a lot of my little opportunities have come along because I happen to be the person they knew out of that. So, so actually, you can view it as a very much a positive. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of have I been intimidated, I've I've, I've done some training courses for uh, non-UK nationals 
whose culture would suggest that the, a female was, was not the sort of person they would want to have as their trainer. Um, but actually, again, same thing. You walk in that room and there's that little bit of they're not quite sure how to take this. They know you're going to be there, so it's not a complete surprise. Um, but, you know, you work on that relationship until the point where there is a respect there for you. And that's fine. So just just things like, you know, if, if I'm dealing with a, a culture that, um, you know, has that kind of uh, attitude, then I will be overly professional. You know, I will dress very much appropriately so as not to offend. Um, I will be very um, flat. You know, I won't come in being the, the jokey Fiona at the start. You know, I'm going to be the, the totally professional. I am your teacher here. And, you know, this is the professional relationship we will have. And then you work on it to, to smooth it out. So, you know, it's, it's Alex's comment. You have to read that room and know what your position is and how you are going to work with those people to make this relationship work again. So, so I don't, I've never felt intimidated. I felt um, you know, I, I need to be on best behaviours here. And I think that the worst day mm -hmm. I remember was I'd been asked to brief some journalists at a very top level, very simple level for, for a, you know, there's going to be half a dozen in a room. And I walked into the room and what I hadn't expected was the entirety of the senior leadership board were in there too, uh, because it was obviously a big press day. So as I walked into my usual kind of, oh, okay, I've now got all of my bosses as well as these journalists. So so that was a bit of a flip straight away into, okay, I'll, I'll be a little bit more mature about this one. So yeah, adaptability, that's the thing. Do you suggest for like uh, women listening, for example, that want to go into engineering, um, is there any advice that you would give now, like going in in comparison to when you went into engineering? Is there any difference? Yeah, uh, I mean, my, it was unusual back then. It isn't so much now. So I think uh, actually I was asked on a, uh, we had another one of these kind of things. Uh, one of our other very senior female engineers who works in Scotland, when she joined, she was the only female engineer and her boss at the time spent a few weeks not giving her any work and sidestepping her. And eventually he said to her, I don't really know how to talk to you. Um, you know, how do I talk to you? Because I've never had a woman engineer work for me before. And she sort of paused and went, well, you could just talk to me like an engineer. And his response was, oh, will that work? Um, I, th I think it will. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> it's a long time ago. But you, you kind of, think, you know, there, there is absolutely no difference because you happen to be a girl woman however you want to see yourself um, you're just a person and you have skills and you have capabilities so you know if if you like fiddling with things and figuring out the solution to things and you know when when you first get a new gadget you know you, you turn it on and play with it and you're immediately into wonder what that does how does that bit work oh I wonder if I can do this you are an engineer at heart so you know go and have a think about what engineering jobs you might be interested in and then it's just a job and you are just a person so I would say don't change yourself at all just be be aware of you know your visibility you, you will be slightly unusual yet so just be aware that things you do and say and how you behave uh, will be remembered because you are slightly unique so you know just make sure you are being remembered for for the way you want to be remembered we have some amazing young women at work uh, apprentices and graduates who are doing astonishing things um, one of our um, defense systems we make is a little thing called bright cloud it's a it's a tiny little jammer sort of beer beer can sized and it can protect things like typhoon aircraft um, you're being shot at lob one of these things out you survive amazing gadget um, and two things on that gadget, the fins at the back that keep it stable uh, were designed, the pop-out mechanism were designed by one of our new female graduates. So every single one of those that gets dispensed has that fin mechanism in it. And the test rig, before you fly with this thing, the thing that tests that it's going to work, was designed by a female apprentice. She went on to win Young Apprentice of the Year, um, you know, in her apprenticeship. So 
you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds designing things that are being used to actively protect aircraft. It's astonishing. You know, so if they can do it, so can you. To to kind of um kind of double back a little bit for a just have a bit of curiosity of mine, um, you said that um your daughters went have graduated university um, going yeah. through university etc. Did they were they inspired by um what you did like as in I was just curious like <laughs> did they become engineers themselves or mathematicians or physicists or I was I genuinely just Connor's curious just trying to work so out whether he want... knows your daughter. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be so funny. Going to be googling Clark. Yeah, I'm going to be oh, she's, going through Clark. She's going to be mortified with me. Be <laughs> mum. Um, well, I'm laughing as you can hear because uh, no. Um, so my my two daughters are. Uh, I could not be more proud of my two girls. They are such lovely women. Such lovely women. They're kind and they're funny and they're sassy and they're everything you want from a you know young woman in this day and age. Uh, my older one. Um, I'll name her, and then she can be really embarrassed. So my older one, Ella, um, just from a very young age, was a carer. You know, she looked after all the other kids in school and all the babies and everything. So she is now a midwife uh, working close to us, which is amazing. So we get to see her. She is just perfect for that role. She is such a kind, kind person, you know, focused totally on her job. So clever at it and brilliant. So, you know, she's, she's going to have a hopefully a wonderful life catching babies all her life. The younger one that you won't know, uh, Hannah, is uh, she's just finished doing a psychology degree. Now, um, both of them were dragged around to various lectures I gave when I was young um, or younger. So when they were little and it was summer holidays and I had to give a lecture to Cambridge University, um, it was right. You're coming in the car. Just sit there quietly. So they've heard me do my stuff. And that's probably enough to put anybody off going into it. but I still, Hannah is, she's so techno savvy and she wants to go into something like digital marketing. Um, you know, she's absolutely a child of today. She gets the psychology of people. She's incredibly good with people, you know, whatever mood they're in, Hannah's the one who will be there being the calm thing. Um, and I, th- I think she will be creative. She will be designing stuff. She will be pushing boundaries. And as far as I'm concerned, that's engineering. So I'm going to take Hannah as a win, even if her title doesn't have engineering in it. Um, but yeah, both of them Sorry, managed Ella. to avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ella is a double win, the, but not do- for engineering. <laughs> Your, do- your daughters are going to be messaging you now privately. Being like, why did you say I that? Know. Why did you say well, that? Well, I'm always in trouble with them, and that's that's how it should be. So it's fine. Just uh, like maybe I don't I don't know how many more questions we have, but I I do know that um, you are a um, STEM ambassador. Yeah. Or were a STEM ambassador. Um, what was that like, and why did you go into that? What what was what was it like to do that now? Yeah, no, I love my STEM ambassadorship. Um, I I don't get to do as much now as I used to, um, you know, just because of time, really. Well, time and and also, you know, I'm I'm well in my 50s. And I think going into schools and trying to teach or talk to 11 year olds about a career when you're in your 50s, it's like your granny turning up, you know, and they, you know, they'll listen to you. But it's like, well, but that's your generation, granny. You know, what they want is the is the the young apprentices, you know, two years ahead of them doing all this amazing stuff. So so I've stepped back a wee bit from it. Um, but I, I went into it originally because, it, again, it it kind of became a thing in the 80s, 90s when we realised that we weren't tapping into this pool of, of, well, any youngsters in a way, but certainly female. You know, we can get people to go into biology and chemistry and maths even, but physics just for some reason is, doesn't seem to encourage people. I think engineering is now, you know, helping with that. 
Um, so it, it was important to me to kind of share the fact that, look, this is a great fun place to work and these kind of careers are really interesting and, you know, you can get paid quite well as well in engineering. So um, so that was kind of the start from it. Um, and originally it was just kind of going into schools and talking about being an engineer and what we did. We recently, last 10 years, uh, there was a, a big body of work done by a lovely lady called Professor Avril MacDonald that looked into why we weren't actually being successful in encouraging more youngsters into physics and engineering, particularly girls. And it kind of came down to that we were spending a lot of time saying this is what an engineer does. You know, and if I try and explain my job, it, it, it's abstract. It doesn't mean anything in you know normal kind of parlance. So, yeah, it, it doesn't really mean anything you know, to a normal person. So um, what we need to do is we need to talk about the kind of people that work in engineering. So, um, you know, there are the young, glamorous, gorgeous girls. There are the 57 year old ladies. There are the all sorts of things in the middle and they all have interesting work, interesting um, careers, um, you know, but that's kind of by the by. It's about the sort of person and the attitude and, you know, what makes them tick. So so Avril started this thing called People Like Me, where you can do a quick test and just looking at adjectives that um, describe you. So talkative in my case, you know, chatty, funny, hopefully, um, good with money, even, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And you tick a few of these things and it pops out and says, you would be good in the kind of role that is managing people or is digging mm. into a problem or is, you know, uh, entrepreneurship. And, you know, it comes out with a load of different kind of role types, not jobs, but role types. And then you can align those to any kind of engineering. And it was, that was really interesting to me because it turned everything from what we do into who you are and look you know who you are actually matches so i i would claim i have never been a real engineer i've never designed you know a piece of hardware i've designed loads of bits of software and i've made up loads of these tactics we use to protect aircraft because that's a usage thing and that's where my skill set lives and i have a certain attitude my my personality comes out as communicator trainer persuader which is why i'm now aligned very much to the sales team and in you know generating new business that's my skill set whereas others come out very much as designer integrator kind of thing so you know it's really interesting to try and turn it from well this is you here are the kind of things that you might fit so that um, i think it's now called uh, my skills my life which you can google google my skills my life and you can go and do some li little exercises online and it gives you that kind of what sort of person might you be what kind of roles might suit you so it's all about you know just encouraging encouraging people to kind of look outside a bit and you know think rather than going oh i don't want to be a physicist because they just teach physics don't they and mm. i don't want to be an engineer because they wear socks and sandals uh, you, I don't never wear socks you don't want to do geography because the only two jobs are weatherman and geography teacher. Correct. You know, and, and we, we tend to give our kids all these kind of notions that, well, you know, you can only be that if you yeah. do this. And, and actually, we've got to turn it completely on its head and go, you can be anything you want to be. You just have to know what you like and you have to follow that and you'll find something. And actually, there's a mass of stuff in and around engineering that matches a lot of those who you are and what you like. So, you know, just just kind of step backwards and, and have a look. And that, you know, that in, in essence is the STEM ambassador role, just, just opening up those, you know, those aspects. I completely agree. My little brother now, he's, um, I've got, I've got two little brothers and, um, one of them's doing his GCSEs and he's like fit, about to finish and he's still in debate on what he mm. wants to do. And he's, and he's so, um, 
he's so intelligent he's much smarter than me by 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 a long mile and um he says i don't know what i really want to do i want to do this i want to do this and i'm like well I, I like in my brain i was always like oh well you've just got to decide now and then you go for it like that was what i was yeah. like um but i i kind of changed that perspective now because he's just sometimes you've got so many opportunities as a kid and it's so hard to make yeah. that decision and yeah and that's why stem is stem is yeah. good yeah. my that. advice like, yeah so connor's brother if he's listening i hope he is is to just go <laughs> and do maths or physics or engineering he just makes fun of me he, he likes to read more and i i would rather encourage him to do that so i'm going to pick you both up on that so alex i'm going to say yeah it'd be lovely if they like math or physics but i'm going to amend your statement to do what you love whatever you love is what you do and we're terrible with, for giving yeah. lots of all oh, don't do this don't do that so that's the first one um i didn't like to read as i've admitted but i spend a vast amount of my time now writing english which my english teacher would laugh at hugely if she knew um, because i avoided english and history and geography like the plague but actually all all the skills I did somehow get stuffed in there by that wonderful English teacher are really useful. Um, you know, so I've come around to liking now crafting English, particularly for people for whom English is not the first language. That's quite a skill. Again, it's all learning stuff. So, so yeah, the, the advice to your little brother, just pick what you love, do that and, you know, something will come out of it and um, ignore every bit of advice you get from your brother, your mum and dad, your teachers, you know, just do But what listen you to this want. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but listen to me because well. clearly I know everything. <laughs> I was told in A-levels that I couldn't do maths. I was not allowed to do maths. <laughs> and um, so I did. I decided to pursue law. And then last minute, about two days before where I had to make my decision, in this, I dropped all my choices and I went for a foundation year in engineering. Because yeah. I was like, I must, I've got to do, do it. it. Yeah. There's no way. And sometimes you've just got to do that. Yeah, I mean, Ella did that. You know, we'd, we'd kind of without realizing we'd sort of persuaded her to do um you know physics and, and computer science even mm. to think about it and and on the day when you had to sign up she changed you know yeah. she said, I, i'm it's not me and i was so proud of her you know because yeah. you know so she ended up doing yeah. you know nice easy subjects chemistry biology psychology i mean speak about essay subjects um <laughs> and she couldn't she's going to kill me for this but she didn't know how to spell psychology at the time because they'd only ever heard it oh me too um, you know so me she's too. trying to write it down and i'm having to spell it for her thinking oh help this is going to go badly wrong um but you know she did phenomenally well at all three she worked her socks off you know and it was literally change on the day because that let her do yeah. you know what she wanted to do perfect what do you think engineers and the engineering industry can do to encourage we've we've said young women but i think yep. young people yeah into the profession right i think there's a couple of things we can do um one is the you know, talk about the people and the types of um, people who have really good careers in there and show that there's lots of exciting stuff to be done because people are enjoying it, which hopefully these podcasts will, will chip into, which would be fantastic. The other is actually a bit more tricky because uh, a lot of the negativity around engineering is actually coming from parents who, you know, of a, of a generation, parents and grandparents, engineers are people who fix your washing machine. Uh, that's a mechanic, um, as is someone who fixes your car. The engineer is the person who designed the car and yeah. actually more than that who came up with the idea of be really nice if we could get somewhere on wheels and we didn't have to walk everywhere you know engineering is creative it is what is the next big thing i need to fix what is the small thing i need to fix how can i make that better you know engineering covers everything you know my world um, cars airplanes medicine food makeup you know every single gadget and thing you have in front of you has been designed by someone 
And that is the engineering role. And we've got to get that whole message into, you know, a few generations so that our kids are not getting the don't do chemistry message. You know, they're getting the no, that do that. You'll love it. It will be great. You know, and, and I had Lego when I was a kid. It's the only toy I had really. I had one doll, one teddy bear and a, a box of Lego. You're supposed to go ah oh, at that point, but um, but that Lego was <laughs> phenomenal because I played with it constantly, and you know I built houses that could turn to meet the sun, so you could always have your lounge in the sun, you know, on a little wheelie thing, and yeah. uh, you know, and the windmill thing, so you could get things to turn. I mean, you know, it wasn't a great Lego set, but for the day it was brilliant, That's and it just cool, it was, yeah. you know, and I just just that, you know, that to me was a creative thing, and you know, I didn't know I was being creative, I was just making something fun. But that kind of, well, how can I do that? Does it work? Oh, I've broken it. Okay, let's do it again. You know, and that whole process, you know, um, without advertising as a certain vacuum cleaner, um, um, his first name's Andrew and his second name starts with D. Um, you know, he went through something like 80 complete failures before he got his first cyclone machine to work. You know, and now look at him. So, you know, and mm. it's just test, try and that. And he did that. So in our in our defense industry, we had a couple of young lads who at the right at the start of the pandemic, there was all the shortage of PPE. So one of them went online, found a, a 3D printing map. Uh, and we used our company 3D printers that normally we print stuff for defense contracts. We created thousands of face masks, the, the plastic sheet face masks. And I helped, uh, my help in there was to bag up those face masks. So, you know, which I loved doing because we would have a good old chin wag in there. And the boys would spend all their lunch times, their evenings and everything printing these 3D printed things. And we gave them away to care homes and, and you know hospitals and stuff when you were allowed to. Um, and they, they just bridged that gap. You know, and it was a small thing we did, but, you know, that was a young graduate going, there's a problem, we can fix this. Yeah. yeah. That's engineering. You know, if your brain in any way thinks, hmm, how do I do this? You're an engineer at heart, you know, and we've mm. just got to get that, you know, in the UK, we're not really good at, at celebrating our engineers, to be fair, you know, so, so we just need to turn that around and go, it's a great thing. And, you know, we should be proud of these people and, and push it. That's that's such a nice story. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, really lovely. Well done to that. Uh, we we won't embarrass him or name drop him, but well done that bloke. Well, well, well let's go. Well, well done, Dave and Matt, and a few others well done, who helped Dave them. And Matt. But Dave and Matt, well done. Uh, we do just want to thank you because you've been a fantastic guest on the, <laughs> this podcast and you've outed a lot of people today. Um, <laughs> there's going to be, you're going to get a lot of uh, e- emails being like, well, <laughs> This isn't right. This isn't right. It's going to be right. <laughs> just, just for um, Leonardo's sake, um, do you, is there anything for um, people to kind of look at Leonardo and is there opportunities for them? I'm sure there are. Um, is there opportunities for people listening to like apprenticeships? Do you- yeah, if you search Leonardo Careers online, um, it'll point you at Careers at Leonardo in the UK and it'll take you to our website. Uh, there's... Uh, all sorts of things there. There's graduate programs, apprenticeships, uh, summer jobs, or you know, engineering careers as general. And if you dig around in the people bit, you'll find a you'll find a Fiona Clark somewhere buried down there <laughs> as one of the examples. But um, you'll see a couple of the people that I've mentioned today who've done things on on those bright clouds things. They are featured in there. So so yeah, careers. Just search Google Leonardo Careers and and it will take you to our webpage. Brilliant. Cool. Yeah. That, that all that leaves us to say is thank you very much Fiona yeah thank oh, you so pleasure. much thank you so much for being here it's been a pleasure yeah no it's been good fun thanks guys we enjoyed <laughs> talking to you